You're listening to episode 97 of Two Views Movies Podcast on Men in Black International, sponsored by Blue Springs 8 Theaters. Want to ring the bell? All right. Ding, ding. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Two Views Movies Podcast, a spoiler-filled podcast from Kansas City, Missouri, by two guys who love watching movies almost as much as we love arguing about them. I'm Garrett. And I'm Carson. And we've got a good episode for you today about a really boring movie. We're talking (laughs) Men in Black International. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just coming right out of the gate. This movie annoyed me. Yep. Annoyed even? Yeah. It it annoyed me with with its plainness, is what happened. Okay. So let's see. You saw this on your birthday, right? Happy belated birthday for everybody who's listening to the podcast. Thank you. It's uh, birthday and Father's Day. So we made a, a joint effort, took the whole family over to, to Blue Springs 8, and uh, enjoyed enjoyed a little Men in Black. Yeah. So there, there's a running joke between all of our friends that your dad, uh, he's been called Qui-Gon over the years. He's been called Oscar Schindler. Oscar Schindler, he, yeah. There, there's a little bit of a resemblance to the Liam Neesons. So... I can only imagine what it's like to go on Father's Day to see a movie with Liam Neeson's as you sit next to your dad. Yes, yes. No, uh, it was almost as if he were there. <laughs> Did anybody ask him for his autograph? Well, no, because he's he's rocking the uh, the the white hair and the white beard now, and, and, <laughs> and Liam hasn't quite made that transition yet. No, no, Liam's. I think he's been using a lot of hair dye, old Liam. He, he seems to actually be getting less gray. <laughs> exactly. All right, so let's get this thing going. First things first, this week's episode is sponsored by the Blue Springs 8. Owned by Miller Theaters, the Blue Springs 8 now features six theaters with luxury recliners that allow you to enjoy the movie in full comfort. All throughout the summer, your family can enjoy the Kids Show Summer Series, where every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 10 a.m. and 12.30 p.m., you can catch a family-friendly movie for only $2.50 per ticket. And if you're looking for something more on the adult side, the Blue Springs 8 has also rolled out their summer bar menu full of amazing cocktails that you can get at the lounge in the lobby. Be sure to check them out and reserve your seats at bluespringsatetheater.com. So thanks again to Blue Springs 8 for their continued sponsorship of the show. Yeah, and you know what else, what else they have there at the bar is uh, they have lockers you can reserve for uh, for your own liquor that you bring in. You know, I'm not... Wait, <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, you can bring in and, and leave uh, your own bottles of stuff. So you you can go to the bar with your own booze and drink it? And uh, rent a locker and, and leave it all in there. That is interesting. I've not only never heard that for a movie theater, I've never heard that for any kind of establishment ever. Oh, sure. Like Capitol Grill, you can have your own liquor locker. Can you really? I didn't know that. I've only been there once. Yeah. I mean... But hey, look at Blue Springs 8 keeping up with Capitol Grill. My goodness. I know, but so I'm not not a uh, very picky when it comes to my drink. I mean, if it's Bush Light, I'm whatever. You know, when it, when, it comes, <laughs> sure. when it comes to me, I was more entertaining the idea of getting one of the liquor lockers, but putting in a blanket for my wife or a sweater because 50 50, we, we don't prepare for inside a theater with our attire. Sure. Yeah. Especially when it's warm outside and you get inside, you know, be like, you know what? We've, we've left the, the jacket at home. Just pull it out of our locker there. <laughs> 
with your little flask. Why not? Exactly. Exactly. So are you not allowed to take the liquor into the movie theater? I'm, I'm confused by the rules here. Oh, I don't know. I, I'm just, I, I'm enamored by this idea of a, a liquor locker that I've, I've never heard of and what would actually get put in there. Because I would assume that you, if you can get a drink at the bar, can you just roll into the theater with your drink? So why do you need to put your liquor in the locker? No, no. You can bring your own bottles of stuff and leave it in your locker when, then you, when you go away and come back next time and you have your locker there. Oh, okay. Like a safety deposit box. <laughs> I was thinking like the Oceans of Fun lockers where you throw your <laughs> towels and stuff in a locker and you go swim and come back. I was like, I figured you were going and, you know, you're some tequila snob, right? And you bring your own tequila and then you throw down some shots at the bar and then put it in the locker and while you go watch the movie and then you come back out and grab it and no. leave. I, I was confused by the whole thing. No, set. you can take it into, you can take the liquor into the theater with you. I'm just saying you can leave it, leave your bottle there so it's always there waiting for you. If you're, oh, if you're a little, uh, little particular, yeah. judging by the, the bottles, they, uh, they carry quite a bit of, of everything, but some people are a little bit snobbier. Hey, that's fine. I yeah. mean, it, you know, if, if I had known what I was getting into with men in black, I would have brought uh, a bottle of vodka. I would have taken, taken plenty of shots. Well, you would have finished the bottle just to make it interesting. So you wouldn't need the locker. <laughs> Yeah, the movie would have been either a lot better or I'd have been a lot more passed out. Either way, I think I win in that situation. <laughs> so now that we uh now that we've kind of put it all on the table with Men in Black, let's back up like two and a half steps and go for the, the letterbox blurb, get the cast in here, and then we can hit the ground uh mildly trotting through this movie. The Men in Black have always protected the Earth from the scum of the universe. In this new adventure, they tackle their biggest, most global threat to date, a mole in the Men in Black organization. I mean, we're talking real original plot here with the, the whole Wow, they just, they just leave that out there. I guess, yeah. I mean, that, that's what Letterboxd had, and I don't, think the, I don't think the trailers were really hiding that from what I remember. No, I don't so. remember them mentioning a mole, but I didn't watch many trailers for it. I mean, as soon as it came on, I zoned out. If I was watching a movie and the Men in Black trailer popped up, I was like, yep, I'm, I'm out. Let's, let's look at my phone for a little bit. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, directed by F. Gary Gray, who's done Straight Outta Compton, The Fate of the Furious, The Italian Job, Law Abiding Citizen, and a few others. Cast, the real people you need to know about are Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson, but there's also the aforementioned Liam Neeson, Rebecca Ferguson, Emma Thompson, and Kumail Nanjani. Now that that's out of the way, what are your overall impressions? of Men in Black International. It was okay. You know? <laughs> See? I told I you. I <laughs> mean, it, it was... It, so I try to take myself out of, you know, critic mode when I, when I can. And well, because we're not critics. Yeah, I mean, we're, we are. <laughs> we, we make believe. We, we pretend. Um, yes. But it's, <laughs> it, it's one of those that is so predictable that it's hard to enjoy yeah. and so basic. But yep, <laughs> you're spot on, man. Like, like those are the exact words. I, all I could get in my head was like just plain. Yeah, it, it was. There was no. So when they went the whole mole route, there's only two people it could be. Yep. And so it's one of the two, and then the one that they're leading you to, and then the one that's clearly Liam Neeson's. <laughs> right. You know? And so, and then even with the, <laughs> I mean, uh, for the top of the movie, when it it doesn't show you their battle. You know something happened there, and then they immediately tell you <laughs> yeah. that these are yeah. body snatchers. You're like, okay, well, that's clearly what happened. 
Yeah. Well, and they beat you over the head with like the flashbacks, or not really flashbacks, but um, what am I thinking of? Like, like the hints towards the fact that something wasn't quite right. Like, how many shots of that painting can we get before <laughs> you, you know we're supposed to know? Like, okay, something happened that night with Chris Hemsworth and Liam Neeson. It, yeah, so predictable. And honestly, even if they had gone the route of making. I think what was his name, Agent C or whatever C, the, yeah. the second, yeah, uh, that would have been just as predictable. So I don't really, I mean, they kind of back themselves into a corner here with the whole mole angle because there's only, I mean, unless it would have been Hemsworth by a twist, I mean, that maybe was the only way to get out of it. You couldn't really do Emma Thompson because she's in the movie for like four minutes. Yeah, that so, have been really lazy of the yeah, one over exactly. in America is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. Just really straightforward, plain. They didn't. It didn't do anything. In fact, there, there's obviously you can do a mole plot because I think Mission Impossible franchise has made an entire series out of chasing moles in, in movies and they can still make it work. But they didn't even care in this movie. It's like we kind of had a mole plot, but we also had this hive alien and we didn't really give any of them much focus. Like it's sort of what drives the characters through the movie, but it's somehow not the focus of the movie. It's really bizarre how this movie's constructed. It is, and you could tell from the opening two scenes when you say two years ago, 2016, and then you jump back 20 years ago, and then back to the future. <laughs> yeah. It's like, wait, why, did, why didn't we just go in order there? Yeah, who knows? Why didn't we start with Tessa? <laughs> now, that's a really good question. I, I think because they wanted some sort of, you know, we've talked about this before, it's the formulaic open ever since. I mean, somebody else probably did it first, but I always like to think that Christopher Nolan did it first with The Dark you Knight, would. which is a, a big action set piece to open the movie to get everybody involved. That's just how summer slash action movies want to do things now is hook you with that first, I guess, good scene. But I will say, Men in Black, it, this wasn't really an action scene. Like, there's not really a whole lot of action in this movie. I mean, what what is this movie? Yeah, it... Like I said, you still should have started with Tessa Thompson 20 years ago and then go into 2016 and then come to the present. Yeah. Is it because we couldn't figure out that Tessa Thompson was a little girl? Is <laughs> right. they, or were we too dumb to figure because they needed that transition of showing the little girl's face and then immediately Tessa Thompson? Like, oh, yeah, she's I mean, Molly. Okay. <laughs> Got right. it. This movie does not think much of its audience, for sure. I mean, it, it wants to lay things out for you over and over again. And I was feeling okay about this movie, even up to the point where Tessa becomes an MIB agent. Like, it was doing okay there. And even, like, the first few interactions between Tessa and, and Chris Hemsworth weren't bad, but it was somewhere around their first action scene together. I don't know if it was somewhere in Marrakesh or wherever where I looked at my watch and I'm like, we're only 45 minutes into this thing. What is happening? Like, I thought we were an hour and a half into this. Like, let's go move this thing along. So I was on board with Tessa and Emma and it was cool that she found them and wasn't recruited, mm -hmm. you know, cause it was kind of the Will Smith, you know, he was recruited and didn't really want to be mm -hmm. there type of thing. And then she, she had to be convinced and then she really wanted in. Uh, yeah. So I like that little mix. And then I also like that she was more the Tommy Lee Jones character. Yeah. Uh, and not the Will Smith character. So she was more by the book and calm and collected during everything. While Hemsworth is more the Will Smith side of, you know, whatever goes, he's going to do type of thing. Sure. And so I, I liked all the way up until the train. 
What's you on the train? The train? Oh, why am I not remembering the train? The train that she gets into that's... Oh, yeah. In, Sorry, in I was thinking like train and I jumped to Dark Phoenix action scene. I was trying to think of an action scene on a train, but no, you're just you talking about You don't remember Magneto in this? <laughs> no. <laughs> no? No. Oh. Might have helped. It would have helped. Magneto helps everything. But <laughs> the train is underneath... It, it connects the two MIB agencies. Sure. Okay. And so MIB does a really cool job, the series, a really cool job of using everyday objects and then showing you what they really are. You know, it's, mm-hmm. this, it's this world that's underneath our world. Well, the train only connects these two. No normal humans are getting on this train. Thus, it doesn't need to look like a subway. Yeah, but I mean, you're just messing with the DNA of MIB movies at that no, point. Like, I mean, what does it I mean, really matter? The, the, the car makes sense because you're driving on regular streets and sure. then it turns into spaceship. This train only gets seen by people that know that this is <laughs> going to turn into this spaceship that flies yeah. them across. It, it makes no sense why that's a train. It's because it looks cool. Did it? Well, I mean, it's supposed to look cool. You never know it's when someone's going to stumble in, upon it. I mean, hundreds of aliens are walking onto this thing. <laughs> <laughs> shoes random I mean, shoes I, that you think is an invisible man but it's really just mouth feet yeah that that was yes. bizarre uh to say the least but, i mean i see your point but i honestly don't care because i mean wh- why not i mean it's not hurting anything it's just a cool transition no. or, again I, i'm using i'm using air quotes when i say cool because it wasn't cool but i get what they were trying to do but i don't think Anybody's really going to, besides you, pick well, apart see, the fact that, that it, it was a, a hidden it, train. But it, yeah, I don't understand why the train transformed. But I did like the, you know, the taxi cab that you get in and then you shoot down. You know, it's, it's yeah. things like that that mm-hmm. make the world cool. And I thought this really had an MIB feel from the opening credits to the, the music. And, and even the way they did this, the CGI of the aliens looked like they did, what, 20 years ago whenever the first one came out. And so if you watch them all... Are you saying the CGI was the same now as it was 20 years ago? Because I'm pretty sure that's not a compliment. It's not, but if you watch watch them all in a row, then the world fits. Uh, Yeah, that's fine. I mean, it's just... It's not a hard world to recreate, though, right? I mean, it's just slap some aliens randomly in places that they're not supposed to be. Show some celebrities who are actually aliens. I mean, it's really not a hard world to recreate. No, but I'm just saying, I'm glad that they didn't put their little twist on i'm glad they kept it within the world or the feel of yes i'm still watching an mib movie i guess i i guess i would actually differ with you on that because i i mean i i'm not saying they needed to do a different world they needed to do something different though because this this felt like a it felt like a money grab if i'm being honest it's like let's take the men in black property and let's just slap Tessa and Chris in this and hope that they can carry it and we're not going to add anything original to it, not take it in any new directions. You know, same aliens, same celebrities, same plot. Not, I mean, not same plot, but you know, like we're not really pushing any new boundaries with this movie. So it, it kept it in the same world, but it did nothing to grow the world, if you get what I'm saying. No, I agree. What did you think of the bad guys? What bad guys? I mean, which, I mean, okay, so hold on. Twins. (laughs) Okay, the Matrix twins. I'm getting, uh, yeah, I was being a little bit sarcastic because, um, so I'm going to answer your question with a question. First off, uh, Mr. The the Villain Maketh the Movie. Yes. Um, Like, what villain in this movie, right? Well, the mole, clearly, or the hive, or 
I don't know. I mean, exactly. If you say, yeah, exactly. If you think about it, it's like they didn't even have an antagonist in this movie. There's who's really driving what this is. I mean, I get it's the mole chase, but there's nothing, nothing bad. So, okay. Now to answer your question for real, uh, the twins, I kind of like that galaxy effect though. I, I didn't, I didn't really get it, I guess, other than it looked cool, which is fine. I don't know. I, I didn't, those guys didn't really do anything for me. And when they tried to turn around in the end and make them sympathetic with some kind of like weird, hive plot twist like they're really being attacked by the hive so they're trying to fight against the hive i just kind of was like i'm so bored at this point that i don't even know what dots you're trying to ask me to connect but i, I don't want to connect them so it wasn't because i couldn't follow it i think it's because i was just mentally checked out so those guys didn't really care for and in the hive i'm still not quite sure i understand what that was really supposed to be either so uh i didn't like any of the villains i didn't i don't even think you should call them villains i think they're just characters that were part of the chase i guess did the uh the twins in their gaseous state remind you of anything um i feel like it did at the time in the back of my brain but again i never connected the dot what are you what are you going for here well i'm a fan of the show rick and morty and i uh-huh. don't know if you've seen the one with the with fart the the cloud. I've seen them all, but it's been a long time. I binge watched them, so I have like no real <laughs> recollection of it. So it reminded you of something from Rick and Morty. Yeah, it, it's a cloud <laughs> that could change the the state of things, and, like made a gold bar, you know. And that's kind of what they did. And yeah. then Rick only had he had to have this one weapon to kill it, which just seemed like what they did at the end. But essentially, he it, it I felt like it was that thing. Yeah, because essentially it could do anything. And yet, I I thought I I was locked in on Matrix Twins because especially when they like you know um, ghosts went to gaseous state yeah. as you would say um, that that yeah that's what that reminded me of. I do wanted to ask you though about Hemsworth and Tessa. So we clearly know that those two work well together yes. because it's proven. So what I mean, what did you think here? What what went wrong? Pawnee went wrong. <laughs> so there's Pawnee's pretty divisive because I feel I've read some people online that say he's the best part of the movie. Well, there's people that say Dark Phoenix is the best X Men movie. Those people really? are stupid. I don't think I've seen that take. People are saying Apocalypse is. Oh, that, yes, I, I did. And I those did people are stupid. Sorry, <laughs> agreed. <laughs> uh, and so those people probably like Pawnee, but um, no, I, I I understand the target of Pawnee is for kids, sure, but. My problem with Pawnee, other than he looks stupid, acts stupid, and the whole thing's stupid, is that he interferes with the chemistry between the two of them. Like, any time that they had any sort of banter, you had stupid Pawnee interfering okay. with that. I mean, I can kind of see that. I, I would say that I think they struggled to have chemistry, even when he's not in scenes. But I, I could see how you would find that disruptive. I. I don't think I had as much of a disdain towards Pawnee as you did. I, I certainly didn't laugh much at him, even though that's what they were going for. But I didn't laugh at anything in this movie, to be honest. I really like Kumail. I think he's funny. And I think some of those lines could have been funny if they were just written. I guess those lines couldn't have been funny. I, they, that character could have been funnier had they given him better lines. Yeah. I mean, all of them could have been funnier with better lines. But, Agreed. I mean, I don't mind. I mean, I like him as an actor. You know, the big sick yeah. is one of it's creeping up my my favorite list. Uh, you know, <laughs> certainly right? underrated, yes, for sure. Um, but the whole the whole character was dumb and stupid, and 
Do you think it would have been a better character if they'd made it look different? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I didn't like the look, and I, I think it, it kind of made me check out immediately. Yeah, and and it takes away from the buddy cop because you have this third wheel. Yeah. I mean, maybe in MIB International 3, you throw in the Joe Pesci in the backseat, you know, to mix it up a little <laughs> bit, but sure. not in the first one. You You need those two riffing. You know, you want those yeah. two bantering, and they didn't really get an opportunity to do that. See, I, I felt like they did, and my problem with their banter was it was never fun or funny. It was always kind of like dry and wry and, and more sarcastic. So they, it was almost like they weren't playing off of one another. They were kind of poking and prodding each other is what they were doing, and it's hard to have a lot of chemistry when you're doing that, especially if it's not really landing very well. And I, I think some of that was... I, I I actually don't blame Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson, not even like 0.0001% because again, we've, we've seen them on screen. We know it works. So this is entirely on writing, directing, all of that. But I think Chris Hemsworth's character just didn't work very well. He was kind of aloof and airheaded and foppish a little bit. And Tessa is very straight laced and serious and it I know that uh, in the originals, like you said, with Tommy Lee Jones, he's very straight laced. They, they definitely the Tessa comparison is there, but the difference is Will Smith's character was like cool and and uh, pun intended fresh, right? Like there was, <laughs> was some there was some charm yeah. there. Yeah, I said it. Uh, it, it was it, it had charm. That's what I'm going for. Hemsworth's character had no charm. He was like a a bad, stupid James Bond. Like, and when I say stupid, I mean like literally his character was like he was a stupid person. Um, so it just, it didn't work for me in anything. I was so disappointed because I knew going into this movie that it was probably not going to be very good. It was going to be probably pretty generic, but I was just hoping that Chris Hemsworth and Tessa would have enough magic to carry me over. And it just, it wasn't there. See, and kind of where they were going, but then they left it me confused at the end was, you know, they kept playing up this Hemsworth is one of the best agents ever. Um, but clearly that was a made up story. And right. so he, I thought they were going to go with, he's very not the best agent ever angle. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of has an arc of, he thought he was, he's not at all. And then kind of come back to redeem himself. But yeah. they just basically told him, Nope, that was all made up. And then, Oh, we're going to give you the whole agency. Like, wait, <laughs> oh, wait, hold on. Why is it you that get it? Uh, I thought he, at least he was going to turn it down after being offered, you know, and then give it, yeah. give it to C or whatever, you know, <laughs> right. but it, it made, it didn't make sense what they were doing with him. And, and I thought I was like, okay, he, he keeps saying that he's the best agent alive and, and it's all based on this one story that's fabricated. And I thought, had they done that a little bit earlier that they, they figure out that it's fabricated, they could have had more of a, a redemption type story. Yeah, you're right. I mean, they completely, it wasn't even just the third act that they waited for to reveal that. It was like the last 10 minutes of the movie where you're like, oh, hey, you were neuralized. You weren't really as good. So you don't really give him any time to process that, you know, his father figure did that to him. His whole career and life is kind of a lie and all this stuff. And then, yeah, have that redemption. It's, there's no time for that. I mean, they basically try and force it really quickly by, you know, well, he doesn't even really save the day. It's really Tessa that does it. Although, no, it's Pawnee. <laughs> true. But how how bad was that ending though? So the hive has taken over Liam Neeson, and you get the the way you write this ending. 
is that you have Chris Hemsworth do the I know you're they're still good in you, I can feel it thing. And <laughs> I mean, it's so lazy. It's so lazy. Now, I, I will say, I just sent you an article about this like, so uh, an hour or Sorry. two ago. It, 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 no, it's really bad. But I guess this was plagued with problems behind the scenes, which seems to be the trend for movies that you and I are going to see uh, so far this year because Hellboy, Dark Phoenix, and MIB all were pretty bad movies. And then immediately after release, immediately after opening weekend, an article drops about all the chaos behind the scenes and producers not agreeing with directors. And uh, the article I sent you said that Hemsworth and Tessa had actually brought in their own writers to rewrite the rewrites to try and get things fixed. It's like, so who who do you think that benefits to drop that? The director and the actors, because clearly not the studio. Because uh, the studio well, in this is, case, it, it can't. I mean, Fox trying to save face on Dark Phoenix. There's no way Sony trying to. I mean, Sony screwed up so many things that this come came to no surprise to me. No, you're right. In this case, I think it it helps everybody except the studio the guy who got the. Well, yeah, I mean, basically the guy who got pointed out in the article I sent you was the producer. So basically it's a way of saying either the the studio and the producer are to blame, but should not be blaming the director, Tessa or Chris. So that's what that article basically told me. And let's be honest, was anybody really going to blame Tessa or Chris? I I just highly doubt it. Although I will say Chris Hemsworth outside of Thor is really struggling to put together a career of any sort. And the guy keeps making some not so great movies and continues to get cast, but I get it. Cause look at him. He's Thor. I mean, he was Ragnarok Thor in this. I mean, I felt like he, that was the character that they wanted. And that was the character that he was playing was, well, was I kind of goofy, maybe, goofy, dumb Thor. Well, okay. But it might be goofy, dumb Thor in the hands of somebody who's not Taika Waititi who can't write comedy. Sure. But, but that's the character that he was playing. I, I think he's kind of a little similar to what he was in Ghostbusters 2016. I don't think he, he was, was quite that far. <laughs> I, I think he's skewing my more cat. towards that. <laughs> right. That's the best line in the movie. Sorry. I don't like that movie at all. Oh, but I yes, love that. That, that. That was a funny line. I, I, I cried when I first saw that scene. Oh, so my good. God. That's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Look. It is what it is. It was disappointing. I do think it was like a bad kids movie. I don't know who they were trying to appeal to. My my thirteen year old said uh, it was one of the worst movies he's seen in recent times, aside from Dark Phoenix. My ten year old was like, "Yeah, okay, it was fine." So I think it just missed the mark across the board. Did you have any inclinations that she would see that alien again? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, again, that's the thing. Like you, you and I could have paused this movie. Uh, like maybe five minutes into it and been like, okay, let, let's predict where this is going. And it did. as long as you and I didn't, as long as you and I didn't do the whole like, well, let's, are they going to know that we think that? So we should go the opposite. Like if we just said, let's just take the straightest possible path here and predict what's going to happen. You and I would have pegged this entire movie. And not that we're great at doing that. It's just so basic and so plain that it's hard not to. It, it's as generic as you could, you could imagine. Yep. I'm running out of things to say on this one. <laughs> All right. Let's get to it. I am Thor, son of Odin. And as long as there is life in my breast, I am running out of things to say. Are you ready? What'd you rate it? Well, I ended up... So I, I was bouncing between two and two and a half. And I didn't dislike it. 
it just wasn't good. And so I landed at two and a half, but I could easily be convinced to a two. Yeah. Um, I think usually when I'm in that situation is I go and take a look at some other movies that I rated two and a half and two. And I'm like, where, where does this one? I mean, really if, more if, if Hellboy is a two, Ooh. you know? Yeah. But you said that should have probably been bumped down to a one and a half after giving Dark Phoenix a one and a half. Well, I said it was better than Dark Phoenix. Yeah, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's got to be a two, right? Like you can give both movies <laughs> a one and a half and be like one's better than the I mean, other. I don't think it. I, I wasn't angry, other than it, it, like it, it was just more like okay, that was a movie, you know? Yeah, and uh, like no, I, and maybe I totally I'm not the the target audience, and so it was, it was okay, and so it got a yeah. it got an average middle of the road score. Okay, yeah, I I get it. I gave it a two. I, I've said all through the episode why I did that. Uh, I agree with you. I wasn't angry watching the movie like I was with, say, like Predator or Dark Phoenix, where I'm like rolling my eyes. This was just more of like I'm laying there, like because I literally laid on my side during this movie because I was getting uncomfortable because I felt like I'd been in the theater for four hours, <laughs> and I wasn't angry during the movie. But afterwards, I was angry just because I'm like that was so plain. It was just like a waste of my time. I, I honestly think I'd rather have a bad movie that at least I get worked up about and. Like when you and I watch The Predator, I mean, we're laughing at like how bad it is. At least that's some kind of reaction. But this movie has no pulse. You just sit there and watch it, and you're like, "All right." Yep. So I gave it a two. It, it it's not a one and a half for me because it doesn't get into the ridiculously bad kind of era or area. But yeah, two. Yeah. Whatever. Not, not gonna fight you on that one because I I could, I could be easily there too. Yeah, I feel like Wedding Crashers. This is Men in Black International whatever whatever (laughs) (laughs) all right do you have a favorite moment uh favorite moment but ruined by the trailer yeah we got the same one just say it thor's hammer yep yeah i thought that could have been a really cool cool like oh (laughs) you know scene but we've already seen it in the trailer yep and i get it normally i'd be mad i'd say hide that but there's nothing else worth showing in the trailer but for you this didn't, movie. You didn't need to. to sh- I mean, based on the rest of it, it's just kind of blah. You could have added another blah scene in there. Oh, I get it. But like, if you're a trailer guy and you're being asked to put together a trailer for Men in Black and you watch this thing, you're like, okay, I got to pull some good scenes. Oh, God. <laughs> like, I mean, it's kind of how I felt picking favorite moment. I was like, um, okay, yeah. I guess Thor's hammer. Yeah. But, I, you know, I always try to save the kind of surprise stuff that you're not expecting. Sure. For the movie itself, not you know, trailer guy yeah, trying to get his, I, I get his it, kicks. But, but that one scene kind of gives you a glimmer of hope that there might be some more tongue in cheek, some more humor there when really there is not no. humor anywhere else in the movie. So I, I get it. <laughs> so we're both there on Thor's hammer, huh? Yep. So what would you change? I mean, there's so many things you could change, and I will say, not that we've ever had to caveat this before but I feel like I need to say it now. There's not one single thing you can change about this movie and, and suddenly make it good. You you can't, I mean, unless you're taking a, a blanket statement and saying, change the writing, which I'm not doing. Um, I, I just picked the mole plot. Like, just don't do that. I guess <laughs> it's a change. So what are you changing it to? I, I, I don't know. Go fight some aliens. Like it, it's not that hard, right? Like just don't, if you're going to do MIB and you're going to, have all these aliens on this supposedly cool world and stuff like why why spend it doing a super generic plot i mean either take those twins and make them more the focus or make the hive more of the focus somehow 
but don't don't put those two things in there and then just spend your time using those as a means to an end of a mole plot. Like it just doesn't make any sense. Spend more time shooting aliens and using cool weapons, which is why people go see Men in Black, not espionage. Yeah, you have a bunch of zany characters that you could use if you're trying to do a mole hunt. Right. You know, but they only introduced us to to two potential suspects. Yeah. You know, and, <laughs> yeah. and so Yeah. That's the biggest crime. I mean, unless you count Tessa and Chris, which wouldn't Tessa obviously would not make any sense. So I mean, you really only have three options. Chris Hemsworth, C and Liam Neeson. Right. Which yeah. they're leaning heavily on on the oh, it's probably C. And so that right. gives you a no, it's clearly Liam. <laughs> <laughs> right. So what are you changing then? Pawnee. Okay. Deleted his whole character. Uh, well, wait a second i uh you you forced me to do a change yeah that's uh, the change so i well i just said get rid of the mole plot i mean you were like hey you gotta make a change so are you just not putting anything and just delete him i'm just deleting him okay gone i'm fine with that i actually think though i, I think he could have worked with better writing in a different type of character but it maybe could have but i don't even want i want tessa and thor to communicate to one another uninterrupted yeah what was there? Did we see a movie earlier this year that we felt like was a a decent buddy cop movie, even though it wasn't a buddy cop movie? Yes. What was it? You were talking about Captain Marvel. Oh Sam, yeah, that Sam was it. Jackson Good call. And, uh, and Brie Larson, mm-hmm. which I felt like had also had a lot of potential, and they started to scratch the surface with that. But it it definitely could have been more of that. It was better than this, but you're right. It had it left some on the table, but this. Uh, wasn't even anywhere near the table. No, it's it's sitting next to the table, <laughs> on a stool, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> you got a casting change? Um, oh, I started with just delete Pawnee, but because I just said that, um, I changed C. Okay, and, and not because I think he was a bad actor. I didn't like that they gave him glasses. <laughs> I felt like that. What? I felt like that really went against. Men in Black, because you you got to be able to to throw the sun the suns on, you know. You got to get those shades. I'm on. sure MIB can come up with some cool thing where he taps a little button in the, the they, shades. But they maybe he's got tra- maybe he's got transition. But glasses. they didn't because when they were in that other scene where they're you know faking out the, the glasses, which I thought was a, a funny scene. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, was the the faking. Nope, oh, put them on, you know, and taking them off, that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, I, I kind of like that interaction, but he didn't look like an MIB agent to me. And okay. I thought the glasses were the, the culprit. But I, and so being as we didn't have a lot to choose from, I took him out. Um and I and I threw in uh a layup uh with Sam Rockwell. <laughs> okay. I could I could actually I mean they they give off a similar vibe in in a weird way. I, I not saying that, that guy's as good of an actor as Sam Rockwell, but I I can see it. And I could have taken out Liam and put in uh Mr. Quaid, but I decided not to. Went, <laughs> yeah, thank you. Sam Rockwell instead. Thank yes. you. I did take out Liam, though. Did you? Yeah, I just get tired of Liam. I'm kind of over the whole Liam Neeson thing, especially because he's, I don't know, it's kind of predictable that he's going to be a bad guy in a lot of these movies. Like, if he's clearly not the hero, he's the bad guy. Um, And he, I put in Rafe Fiennes because I felt like... Poor man's Liam. Yeah. <laughs> Uh huh. Yeah, but I also feel like Rafe could have actually been funnier, which would could have helped this movie a little bit. Liam's character is just again so plain and vanilla. Like Rafe Fiennes could have brought a little bit of humor to it. Again, he would have needed writing for that. 
but yeah. that's the way I went. You, you know what's what's kind of sad for Liam is that he was always with Hemsworth. Because Liam's mm-hmm. uh, a very large man, but so mm-hmm. is Hemsworth, and so it made him look far less intimidating than he's been in the past. And so it's like, yeah. oh, he looks kind of small. I was like, well, no, Hemsworth's six four. Yeah, you know, but but because they were the same, you know, it took away that that umph that he usually has. That presence, I guess, is what I was looking for. <laughs> I thought Hemsworth was looking a little uh, toned. not as not as bulky as he used to be. Not Fat Thor. No, I mean clearly not Fat Thor, but I think he's kind of come down a little bit from even like Ragnarok. That's probably why he uh, wanted Fat Thor. <laughs> yeah. Because he didn't want to keep working out. <laughs> and so it's just melting off and put Fat Thor parts on him. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to lift. I don't want to lift this year, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Needed some time. Actually, he is taking a break from acting. I don't know if you heard that or not. To do what? Uh, spend time with his family. And to spend his Avengers money? It probably, yeah. Hmm. What award are you giving this movie? The most okay movie of the year. Wow, that's the most okay award I've ever heard. Yeah, it's as predictable and generic as as the movie it was. I'd have to go back through my list, which maybe we'll do that for our 100th episode and rank these things. I don't know if it'd be most middle of the road, but I mean, yeah, that's about right. I mean, it's just just okay, you know, yep. generic and and okay, predictable. Mhm. So, what about you? Uh, I didn't go out on a limb too far. I gave it the worst Men in Black movie. I I did not like it. Um, it, it is. If I had to rate them, I would the go worst Men in Black movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. Actually, I, in in descending order, I would imagine. Uh, my brain's not working. What are you saying there? I'm saying you're saying it was four, three, two, one, like in perfect order. I'm saying well, yeah, as worst of best. Yeah. Yeah, so you're saying it actually goes in order though. Like you're not taking anything out of out, out of I'm saying that. I'm saying it gets progressively worse as the series goes on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I would actually say it goes 1 3 2 4. I like 3 better than 2. And you should too uh, no, cuz it's got that. your boy Josh in it. It does have Brolin in it. That was that was pre pre Brolin. Yeah, but he does a hell of a Tommy Lee Jones impression. He does. He he nailed that. <laughs> Look at that. Like that was that was uncanny. <laughs> Your voice just went up like three octaves right there. He does. I mean I mean his he deserves an Oscar for that alone. <laughs> I mean how how spot on was that watching that movie he was like, gosh, that's that shows how talented he is. Yeah, I like Fana. hey I like Fana Josh Brolin by B World. <laughs> Josh Brolin is quickly becoming to you what what Gosling and Keanu are to me. Uh, I don't think you can miss with, with Brolin. Yeah, he's good. I, I will not argue that. All right, last question. Let's end this segment already. All right, you lead it. All right, I said if you liked this movie, you would also like, and I spoiled this earlier, I said Ghostbusters 2016. Okay. Yep, because I feel like they are soft reboots of properties that have some nostalgia to them that everybody wants to see, but then you go see it and you're disappointed in what's on the screen. And I felt both movies, Ghostbusters and Men in Black International were just okay. Like I I didn't hate either one. I gave them both two stars. I didn't really laugh at much of anything in either one. Neither one has any memorable 
moments that I can even think my of cat. and recall off the top of my head. And they both have Chris Hemsworth playing a stupid guy. So seems right to me. I see the problem with that is that Ghostbusters was a reboot and this was more of a continuation of the same world. Yes and no. I guess I feel like I feel like this was as much of a reboot as you could do without doing a full reboot. And I get that Ghostbusters 2016 was supposed to be a full reboot, but it kind of didn't feel that way. It, it, I don't know. Felt like some, both of them feel like in some gray area of real world or maintaining the same world, but soft reboot kind of thing. So that might be a little bit of a wonky comparison I get, but it's close enough for me. So I went with the, okay, this is a reboot, but not. So we're not going to have any of the same characters, but it's still in that world. Mm -hmm. And so the movies that I was toying with, and I'll end with the one that I landed on. So my contenders were Born Legacy, Mm -hmm. where you have Hawkeye that's Mm -hmm. for some reason in in that world. Yeah. Um, And and no no Jason Bourne, but we've never seen Hawkeye before. It's like a spinoff without any actual characters (laughs) right from the original and then uh journey two with the rock okay and so has nothing to do with journey one really yep other than the name Mm -hmm. but i but i landed which i i really like all things that point to this one is oceans eight okay yeah and so you had three movies with the same same cast and so you reboot in the same world so we're still acknowledging all those three movies, but we have a completely different cast, a good cast, poor writing, poor plot, predictable, mm-hmm. tries to be funny, doesn't quite get there. Yep. And you put it on paper and you say Tessa Thompson or Liam Neeson's, you know, and you're like, yeah, that's going to be going to be a good movie. And you have, you know, all the ladies in, uh, you know, Sandy Bullock doesn't make a bad movie. <laughs> you, you know get me you know sign me up yeah and they both leave something to be desired yep i think that's a that's a really really good comparison i think we are going down the same path i i think i skewed more towards like the type of movie that men in black is so i was trying to find something in that sci-fi you know whatever space you want to call Ghostbusters and, and, and MIB that they kind of inhabit the same realm. But I, your comparisons there to Ocean's 8 are definitely spot on because that's that's exactly right. I kind of felt... I feel like Ocean's 8's a good challenger for your award you gave this movie, like the most plain movie of the year. I think Ocean's 8 would be a good rival for that. Except it didn't come out this year. Oh my God, has it already been over a year since we saw that? I felt like this like 10 years ago. Did yeah. we podcast on this? On Ocean's Eight? Ocean's Eight. Did we? I think so. <laughs> this is this is what happens when you reach a hundred episodes almost. You you forget what you've actually done. I think we did. I think we did. And I so that would have been too. about this about spring last year. Yeah. I, yeah. It feels right. But well, definitely it wasn't this year. <laughs> yeah. God, I'm losing my mind. Well, <laughs> speaking of almost a hundred episodes, since I've said it twice, uh now that we're here at the end of Men in Black, our ninety seventh episode. Uh, you have about another week or two left if you want to send us some questions about our 100th episode. We've, we've gotten a lot of questions through email. Boy, do we have some questions. <laughs> yeah, we've got some good <laughs> questions out there from everybody already, but you have probably a week to two weeks. We'll, we'll keep reminding you on social media, but if you haven't sent us any questions, again, it doesn't have to be movie-related, just anything. Our 100th episode is probably going to be a best of the year so far in terms of movies, and then the rest will be just mailbag. So you send in your questions, and we will answer them. 
Yeah, you mentioned we had some good questions. We also have some other questions. <laughs> we do have some other questions. <laughs> um, but if you want to send us questions, you can find us on Twitter at Two Views Movies, Facebook at Two Views Movies, Instagram at the same handle. You can email us at twoviewsmovies at gmail.com. So just send us your questions. We'll read them off. We'll say hi to you. We'll, uh, we'll answer them to the best of our abilities. Uh, let's see. We are doing Child's Play next week, correct? Chucky. Right, right, right. That'll be interesting. So we have Child's Play, then Tory Story, then our 100th episode, and then I believe Spider-Man is like our next four episodes coming up. So we will cross the 100 mark we're going to release our 100th episode i think on 4th of july so if you're sitting around shooting some fireworks drinking some beer you can just throw on our 100th episode and listen to us answer mailbag questions <laughs> Sounds that, like that's a good probably the perfect time during the fireworks <laughs> is to listen to our podcast exactly nothing dangerous can happen there no no all right the only other thing is go out and leave us a review on the podcast store whether that's the google podcast or apple podcast Leave us a review and a rating. Let us know what you think of the show. That helps us out tremendously. We've got some, I think, some exciting stuff maybe coming the the rest of the year. We'll talk about that a little bit in our 100th episode, too. But uh, until then, we're going to get you with Child's Play next week, and we'll catch you next time. What should we do next? Something good? Something bad? Bit of both? Bit of both!